If you remember how powerful it felt to snap a hot pink razor flip phone shut after getting off the phone, you're a millennial. And if you're a millennial, it's time to add Clarins multi-active cream to your daily routine. Rooted in nature and innovated with science, Clarins has a long legacy of creating industry-first, plant-forward products. Using a skin charger complex made of 2% niacinamide and C-Holly bioextract, Clarins Multi-Active Cream has been clinically proven to target the first visible signs of aging by smoothing lines and wrinkles, refining pores, evening tone and texture, and strengthening the skin's moisture barrier. While multi-active creams can't bring back the golden age of boy bands, it can distress your skin. Clarins Multi-Active Cream is available online now. Go to clarins.com slash truecrime and get multi-active day and night cream for 10% off. A free welcome gift plus free shipping on your first order. That's C-L-A-R-I-N-S dot com slash truecrime with promo code truecrime. Clarins.com slash truecrime with promo code truecrime. As a killer psyche listener, you're probably always trying to learn more about forensic science and criminology. I know I am. That's why I'm thrilled to partner with the University of Florida Forensic Science Online Graduate Program. Their completely online program is designed for working professionals. Over 1,500 students have earned their master's degree since the program began in 2000. Specialize in forensic science, forensic toxicology, DNA and serology, or in forensic drug chemistry to gain the skills, expertise, and credentials to move ahead in your forensic career. Ready to shape your future in forensic science? Join the world's largest forensic science program and alumni network at forensicscience.ufl.edu slash killer psyche. For a nurse and a fireman, it was a second chance at love. They're involved in the same social groups, have the same values. They're both professionals. They were a good match for each other. And they were devoted to one another in sickness and in health. She was diagnosed with breast cancer. He was going to do anything he could to help her out. Until a greater tragedy would split them apart forever. What's going on? Who got shot? Who got shot? My husband, please! The shooter was in the backyard. Who was the mystery guy at the end of the driveway? You know, it just didn't make any sense. Everybody's coming up with their own theories, but there's nothing concrete. Investigators uncover evidence of a complex conspiracy to kill and the mastermind behind it. It's just a desperate person trying to get away from what they did. We're starting to put the pieces of this puzzle together, and our jaws kind of hit the floor. Sunday, November 3rd, 2013, Cleveland, Ohio. At 8.35 p.m., Cleveland police receive a desperate 911 call. 911, She's frantic. Uh, her husband's just been shot, and he's laying in the driveway of their home. Who shot your husband? Oh, my God. 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 Oh, my God.
frantic call, what can I do to help? What should I get? You know, how can I stop the bleeding? Screaming, help, help. Please help me. Please help me. What's your husband's name? The caller tries to calm herself so she can be understood. William Walker, he's a firefighter. Born in Cleveland on August 2nd, 1968, William L. Walker was raised by a loving single mom. While attending high school in Cleveland, he met his first wife, Rita. She was just a real sweetheart, and she used to joke with me. They seemed like just a real nice couple, really into each other. The couple married in 1992. Will and Rita had what appeared to be a good marriage. They had children together. Their daughter, Melody, was born in 1994, and their son, Christopher, followed in 1998. He loved his kids. He loved his kids. I mean, all I had to do was ask how one of them was doing, and man, he'd go on a dissertation that was like a filibuster in the Senate. If you knew Will, you knew that he was actively involved with his kids. By the time the children came along, Will was well into his dream career as a firefighter. He loved what he did. He really did. And uh, he wanted to help people. That's what he was there for, helping people. And Rita was proud that he was a fireman. Will would lend a hand to anybody. He was a well-known, well-loved firefighter in Cleveland. Eventually, Will became an instructor and qualified for an elite assignment. We were the heavy rescue squad. We did rope rescues. We did the water rescues. We did hazmat. We cut people out of cars. We had some more training, and we just did more. William Walker was not only a training officer, but a mentor to quite a few firefighters and EMS in Cleveland. Will also trained civilians in his off hours. He had his office where he trained people uh, for paramedic and CPR and stuff like that. As busy as he was, Will made sure to find time to help others as a member of his fraternal order, the Prince Hall Masons. The best way to describe the Prince Hall Masons is a religious fraternity, deeply rooted in the community in terms of community service. When he got into the Masons, he went through the ranks pretty fast. He was one of the people, you know, they, they want to make themselves better, and he did it. He's helped the lodge out on many occasions in terms of just trying to provide training with CPR and things of that nature. You know, Will was the type of person that will always help. Will just had that little bit of extra spark. In 2000, Will and Rita bought a home on East Cleveland's Lampson Road. The home is in a, uh, a middle-class neighborhood in the northeast corner of Cleveland. Unfortunately, despite his devotion to saving lives, Will Walker could not save his marriage. In 2002, Rita and Will separated. Two years later, they divorced. He said, we just kind of grew apart, and it wasn't working for us, so we both decided it was time to go. It was hard on him when he got divorced, but him and his first wife were good friends for the sake of their children. There's no doubt how much Will loved his family. Rita moved out, and they shared custody. The two co-parented well, but Will missed having a partner, someone who shared his values. That changed a year after the divorce, in 2005, when he ran into 34-year-old Uloma Curry at a Masonic function. Uloma and Will met at an Eastern Star meeting, a club group. A single mom, 
Uloma lived with her two kids, her son, Macklin, and her daughter, Jackie. She was a home health care nurse, uh, building a good reputation in her career field. She worked very hard in the nursing field, and she seemed to be a very earnest woman. They both attended church. They both had social groups that had Christian values attached, and they're both single parents. When I saw them at award banquets or functions, they seemed to be very happy and committed and smiling. Soon, Uloma moved into Will's house on Lampson Road. Her daughter, Jackie, her son, Macklin, and Macklin's girlfriend, Ashley, moved in too. The happy couple took it slowly, very slowly. They dated for eight full years. I would tease him, I said, when well, are you gonna get married? Because he was so happy with her. In 2013, a grim diagnosis pushed them to tie the knot. She was diagnosed with breast cancer, and she didn't have the insurance that she needed. He was 100% supportive of her, and he was going to do anything he could to help her out. She needed the health insurance from William Walker and his job as a firefighter, and that's why they did the marriage, because William didn't want to see her suffer and wanted to make sure that she was OK. They were building a happy life together. He was supportive of her children, and everything seemed to be good. Things got even better when Will received a promotion to lieutenant and a pay raise to go with it. He was even featured in the newspaper, getting accommodation by the mayor. So he loved being a firefighter, he loved what he did. The couple decided the time was right to move to a bigger home in the nearby suburban town of Madison, Ohio. The house in Madison was quite a step up for them, a nice house. They had purchased new cars. Financially, it appeared they would be doing really well. Things were just all going in the right direction for them. Then, on November 3rd, 2013, the very night before the couple planned to move, William Walker is gunned down in his driveway. The first responders to the scene were the fire department and EMS. The wife is standing by in the driveway. She's frantic. She doesn't know what to do. She's in a panic mode. They see that there is a male laying there at the side door. He appears to have been shot. There's a fair amount of blood on the scene. Dispatch had not broadcast the name of the victim. Now, the firemen recognize the victim as one of their own, Cleveland Fire Lieutenant William Walker. They show up to a shock. Not only do we have a shooting victim here, but this is also someone that we know personally. He was still alive. He was trying to talk to them. He's talking about somebody being in the backyard. It's not a coherent sentence necessarily, but he's trying desperately to relay to them what had happened. His pockets had been pulled out, so EMS originally think this looks like a potential robbery right outside his house. And his wallet was missing, which also backed up the idea that it was a robbery. Coming up, police scramble to find the shooter. Is there somebody still around? While first responders race to save Lieutenant Will Walker. They want to get him to the hospital as soon as they can.
After Cleveland Fire Lieutenant Will Walker is shot, he manages to tell first responders the gunman was in the backyard before he loses consciousness. Officers search the backyard and surrounding area, but do not find the shooter. Well, it's still alive. Uh, the firemen are frantically working on him, and they want to get him to the hospital as soon as they can. Uloma Curry Walker prepares to ride with her husband to Metro Hospital. She still at times is in hysterics. As the ambulance rushes away, police secure the crime scene. There were two people on the scene. The officers identify them as Uloma's 22-year-old son, Macklin, and his girlfriend, Ashley, who have their baby with them. It was imperative that they interview those people, find out what happened. The police officers separate these two witnesses uh, just to keep their story straight. As they await detectives who will conduct the interviews, the officers begin to process the scene. Will Walker had been shot near the back side door. Mr. Walker appeared to have been putting his keys in as he was shot. They find a McDonald's bag laying in the driveway uh, where the victim is. This neighborhood, specifically on Lampson, is not the kind of neighborhood that you would regularly see shootings, let alone a shooting as someone is carrying a McDonald's into their backside door. They look a little bit closer, they find four 9-millimeter shell casings in the driveway. The number of shots seems like overkill for a robbery. The four shells are significant because they look like somebody really intended to kill uh, Lieutenant Walker. Authorities hope the crime lab will later find fingerprints or DNA evidence on the shells. When detectives arrive, they interview Macklin and his girlfriend, Ashley, separately. Ashley explains she has been dating Macklin for four years. They planned on renting the house after Will and Uloma moved out. According to Ashley, this started out like an ordinary evening. It was just the normal things. Macklin's playing video games. She's taking care of the child. Uloma was around and talking on the phone, tending to the packing. Sometime after 7 p.m., Will left to pick up some fast food for himself and Uloma. Ashley tells the police that uh, about a half hour before this incident occurred, uh, she had left the home and uh, went to a fast food restaurant to get some dinner. Ashley returns back with dinner for her and Macklin. She hears the gunshots, but doesn't know that they've come from the house that she's about to enter. So she goes in the front door. There she sees that there's chaos. Ashley explains that Macklin was there yelling that Will had been shot. She goes out the side door and she sees the lieutenant laying there in the driveway. Ashley tells us that Uloma was there and she was screaming for help. The detectives ask Ashley if she knows anyone who would want to hurt Will. And she says Uloma told her that uh, the previous evening there was a little bit of a confrontation between the lieutenant and some kids on the street. Ashley says she doesn't know who was arguing with Will or why, but she does know that Will is very strict about how people behave around his home. The lieutenant is not the kind of guy that would back down from, a, from an argument with some kids in the street. Will would definitely cause a little bit of a ruckus if somebody was close to his house trying to put his family in harm's way. The detectives get a similar story from Macklin. Macklin also says he was playing Xbox, that he was hungry. He had asked Ashley to go get food, and that Yuloma was preparing for the move the next day. 
He hears the gunshots. They appear close to the house. He goes outside, sees that Will is on the ground outside the backside door. And Yuluma is the one who then takes the phone and calls 911. Macklin does say that uh, he overheard uh, the lieutenant say that someone is in the backyard, that someone may be being the shooter. Investigators also ask Macklin about enemies Will might have had. Macklin referred to William confronting kids in the neighborhood about selling drugs, and he didn't want that there. He would have pulled up and said, get off my corner, you know, get out of my neighborhood, because that's kind of good. Will's an intimidating person. He's a big guy. He's strong. Macklin and Ashley's stories corroborated one another, and it was all consistent with what evidence was found at the scene. Had the teens that Will confronted about drugs ambushed him? Lamson Road didn't have robberies like this. Police were wondering, because there's a person in the backyard behind the cans, that's what was reported by Will, um, and he shot in his driveway, that's not what happens on Lamson Road. And they would have had to get there right at the right time when he's getting home. So it was kind of a question mark. News of the shooting spreads quickly among the first responder community. I was at my house. I remember the pager going off, and a firefighter was shot, Will Walker. It was an instant unbelief. You know, it just didn't make any sense. Nothing made any sense. Friends and family gather at the hospital. Everyone prays for Will, who is still in surgery. Yuloma is distraught. She's absolutely distraught in the hospital. We were just telling her, you know, Will's a strong guy. He's fighting. We know he's fighting. Homicide detectives try to conduct a preliminary interview with Yuloma. It's a rough time for her, so it's kind of hard to interview her. We're just getting some basic information. Eventually, she gathers herself enough to recount the events leading up to the shooting. Yuloma backed up the fact that Ashley was tending to the child, going out to get the Popeyes, and, and Macklin was playing video games. Yuloma says that when she heard gunshots, she ran outside and found Will on the ground. Before Yuloma can answer any more questions, a doctor interrupts. Kind of looks around at all of us and tells her Will passed. There was no more that they could do for him. When she heard that, big hysterical cry like you would expect then taking a deep breath and going he's not dead he's not dead it was just the shock of disbelief it was like being punched in the stomach you know i mean how could this happen to him what did he do i was devastated i really was he was a friend of mine he's a good family man and he would have done anything for anybody that he could help so to him to die so early through gun violence, senseless gun violence. This doesn't make any sense to us. The detectives leave Yuloma to grieve with her loved ones. She's really not able to convey to us, uh, you know, the answers that we need. They return to the neighborhood to canvas the area. They were looking for witnesses, neighbors, um, anyone who not only had heard gunshots, but maybe had seen anyone fleeing the scene. Some people heard the gunshots, but nobody really saw much, which was frustrating. Why would he be murdered in his own front driveway? One thing investigators agree on, the crime does not seem like a random robbery. The timing was too precise. Everything was too precise. The homicide unit think there's something more personal here. Coming up, friends try to cope with the loss. 
It feels very eerie to be with one person one day and then the next day they're dead. And Uloma tells police about a secret worry that her husband kept from her. Maybe there was a little bit more that was going on and he hadn't told her. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact. Helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Cleveland homicide detectives suspect that Lieutenant William Walker might have been specifically targeted by someone from his neighborhood. The police thought people in the neighborhood may have had um, arguments with Mr. Walker. Our district officers know who the players are in the neighborhoods. And so an officer brought up Rex Coleman as a person that they wanted to look at. The police officer was familiar with Rex Coleman and knew that he had a criminal background. The officer tells detectives that the 27-year-old Coleman has a record for theft and drug possession. And up until recently, he lived right next door to Will and Uloma Walker. When they were looking for someone who would be the type that might have had an altercation with Will or even access to a firearm, he was someone that they began looking at. He's a man of smaller stature, and uh, Rex seemed to get off on robbing guys that were bigger than him by using a gun. And Lieutenant Walker's kind of a big guy, so that kind of piqued our interest. When authorities go to Rex's home to question him, he has vanished. So they work their contacts on the streets. They're talking to the local drug dealers, they're talking to all the street people, and it really turns out that, especially now that we can't locate Rex, that this may be a lead that goes somewhere. Has Rex fled to avoid the law after the murder? While investigators try to flush out Rex Coleman, they hope news reports will cause people with information to come forward. And somebody know what happened. And they're listening right now. This is a very high profile case. It's got a lot of news media coverage. It opened up the floodgates. The tips 
begin pouring in. They have to filter through each of those tips and decide what is valid and what is completely invalid. In the calls, Rex Coleman's name comes up a lot, as does someone named Chad, though none of the tipsters can provide a last name. Chad, the mysterious Chad. Everybody's coming up with their own theories of why and who and how, but there's nothing concrete out there yet. As investigators continue working to track down Rex and trying to identify Chad, they get a call from a man named Johnny Dent, who says he might have relevant information. Johnny explains that he has a small office in the same building Will Walker had his paramedic training office in. Johnny says he ran into Will at the building on November 2nd, just one day before Will was shot. He needed some help getting into the building. So I said, you know, I opened up the door. We went upstairs. Will told Johnny he was clearing out his office because his family was moving out of town. So he had the dummies and boxes of stuff is everywhere. And he's going through these papers frantically. And he's just trying to figure out what to keep and what to purge. Johnny offered to help. He tells detectives that the work was often interrupted by secretive but tense phone calls. With each one, Will grew angrier. I don't know who he was talking to, but the tone of his voice kept raising every time he answered that phone. Johnny tells police that when the calls finally stopped, Will seemed to relax. He was back to being himself, just calm and smooth. They finished up around 4 p.m. and parted. Johnny says he didn't give it another thought until he saw the news the next day. It's on every channel. It feels very eerie to be with one person one day and then the next day they're dead. Did the argument that began on the phone end with a brutal murder in Will's driveway? And who was Will arguing with? That same day, Detectives meet again with Will's wife, Uloma, at the station. She has had time to process the shock and wants to help. This is the first time we really have a chance to talk to her at length since uh, the night her husband was killed. So the reason we asked you to come down is because we never really got a chance to talk with you about, you know, your and Will's life together. William was just a, a great person. Unbelievable. I'm not going to say he was perfect, but he was my perfect. I just want to find out what happened. I know this isn't easy. How about, can we just go through what happened? Investigators ask her if she saw anybody suspicious the night Will was killed. Yuloma says she did as she was dialing 911. Yuloma described a black male at the end of the driveway who appeared just to be watching while she was trying to help Mr. Walker. He was one guy. I, I, I don't remember what he looked like. And I asked him, what did he want? I remember that's the only person I remember. Was he close to you? Did he approach you? He came in the driveway. Uloma explains that she didn't see where the shadowy man disappeared to. She was too focused on helping Will. 
Had the shooter stuck around briefly to enjoy her anguish as she tended to her dying husband? It made us wonder if maybe that was Rex Coleman. Detectives ask Uloma about Rex Coleman. She says she doesn't know if Will specifically fought with Rex, but she knows Will had had a dispute with some of Rex's associates. There was no physical altercation or anything, just yelling and screaming. Yuloma explains she doesn't recall what the dispute was about exactly. But afterwards, Will took protection when he walked the dog. Something had happened and William had gotten his gun from underneath the bed. He took Pepe outside. To the dog? Mm -hmm. Which kind of leads us to believe that maybe something unusual was going on in his life or maybe there was a little bit more that was going on and he hadn't told her. Detectives ask Uloma if she knows anyone named Chad, the other name that came in via the tip line. She reveals that her daughter Jackie has a boyfriend named Chad Paget, but Uloma can't imagine Chad would ever harm Will. Everything was fine, everybody got along, there was no animosity. She didn't indicate that Chad might be involved in this. He was a calm kid, good, caring, do anything for anybody, helped people out pretty much stayed around the house, stayed out of trouble. Yuloma explains that Chad Paget appeared to have a fine relationship with Mr. Walker and nothing seemed out of the ordinary there. After Yuloma's interview, Rex Coleman remains an important person of interest. The police want to find Rex. They want to confront him. They want to figure out where he was that day, what he was doing, and if he was the cause of William Walker's death. Seeking more insider information that might help, investigators speak with Will's colleagues at the firehouse. If anything suspicious was going on in Will's life, they might know. Firemen lived together 24 hours a day, so they got each other's backs. We're firemen, we're brothers, and, you know, there was nobody that didn't like Will. He was just that kind of person. Though everyone at the station admired Will, some of his colleagues know that someone was giving Will a hard time. Many different people were talking about Will being on the phone, having angry discussions with people, and, and they, they thought maybe about finances. Investigators also ask about Will's marriage. Everyone portrayed his marriage to Diloma as a loving one and that he had a strong inner circle of friends and family. But they did mention to us one thing that kind of uh, caught our ear was that he really didn't like Chad, Jackie's boyfriend, which kind of goes against what the Yuloma was telling us about uh, how they were one big happy family. And they thought Will did not like Chad around the house and had asked that Chad not be around the house. Based on what the firemen told us and the tips that we got from, uh, from Crime Stoppers, we're looking at Rex Coleman, but Chad's not totally out of the mix. Coming up. A new witness emerges with secrets to hide. She's been a little cagey. We gotta kinda pull information from her. And police zero in on a twisted plan. Then he really opens up about the conspiracy to kill Mr. Walker. After the shooting death of Fire Lieutenant William Walker, Cleveland homicide detectives finally tracked down their main person of interest, Rex Coleman, when Rex gets arrested on an unrelated charge. 
Rex's arrest is a good break for us. We've been looking for him for, for two weeks now, and uh, here he is delivered to our doorstep. The police immediately head over to the jail, and Rex is perfectly willing to interview with them. He's very open, seems to be very honest with us. He's given us whatever we want, answering all of our questions. He's got an alibi. Uh, he claims he was having pizza with his girlfriend at a local restaurant. He's given us DNA, fingerprints, anything we want. His baby mama absolutely backs up everything that he says for that night, and everything that they find, it lines up with what Rex tells them. Witnesses at the restaurant also place Rex there at the time of the shooting. He was not out that evening with a gun shooting anyone. We're a little bit frustrated. We crossed Rex off our list. Undeterred, Cleveland detectives meet with Will's ex-wife, Rita, to get her perspective. Rita had not only met Yoloma a few times, but they socialized together, had a positive relationship, didn't appear to have any grudges or awkwardness to the fact that they had both loved Will Walker at some point. Yet Rita claims not everything was perfect with Will's new family, especially concerning Yuloma's 17-year-old daughter, Jackie. Rita did acknowledge that Will thought Jackie was spoiled and that she needed to take responsibility for herself. And Rita knew that that was a bone of contention in the relationship. We wondered why Yuloma didn't mention this to us. Possibly Yuloma didn't want her, her daughter and her boyfriend getting involved with this investigation because she believes that they weren't involved in the shooting. To follow up on Will's relationship with his stepdaughter, detectives interview Jackie herself. When we talk to Jackie, she doesn't seem to be all that on board with this investigation. She's been a little cagey. We got to kind of pull information from her that uh, we thought normally would just be forthcoming. Jackie does admit that she's dating Chad Paget. We asked Jackie about the relationship between Chad and Lieutenant Walker, and she says, oh, no, everything was fine there. They got along good. They liked each other. And uh, so again, that kind of caught her eye. Jackie's story contradicts what others have said, that Will did not like Chad being around. When asked where she was the night Will was murdered, Jackie explains she was at Chad's mother's house on the west side of Cleveland with Chad. She was actually 16 when she moved in with us and started staying there. I mean, she was back and forth between my house and Yoloma's house, but she was there most of the time. Unbelievably, she claims she doesn't know Chad's address or his phone number. She's young, but even when talking about her boyfriend, Chad, not knowing details about him, it appears either she just isn't smart enough to come up with stuff or that she's potentially hiding something. So now it's time to take a closer look at Chad. We look a little bit deeper into Chad's background. He's a low-level uh, pot dealer in the neighborhood. There's really nothing there that indicates that he's a violent person. This is not Chad. Chad wouldn't have done something like this. He wouldn't have. Chad was a good kid. Chad stayed out of trouble. He stayed out. We're going to dig a little bit more and keep him on our radar. And now it's time to bring Chad Paget in for an interview. We get the same kind of vibe that we got from Jack. He's being a little bit cagey with us. Um, uh, he, he tells us that the night that this happened, uh, he's at his home with Jackie. They're watching TV or whatever. It's a flimsy alibi, with Jackie and Chad simply saying they were with each other. 
So nothing really that we can hang our hat on, but uh, nothing that's going to clear him or, or take him off our radar screen. With no evidence Chad was involved, authorities cannot arrest him. Then, forensics technicians complete their examination of the shell casings found at the murder scene. There were prints on the shells, which was great news. Investigators hope they'll finally have an ID on their shooter. However, they didn't match with anybody in the system at that point. It takes several months, but investigators finally get the cell phone records of everyone they've interviewed from around the time of the murder. Cell phone records tell us a lot of things, aside from the, the telephone calls that you make and uh, text messages. Certain cell phones will track your location, and uh, that's exactly what we did. From the cell phone tower records, you can essentially watch Chad Paget come to the east side of Cleveland, right in the Lampson Road area during the death of Mr. Walker. Armed with this information, investigators take Chad Paget into custody. They kind of confront him with those cell phone records. And that's really what starts pushing it. And he just really opens up about the conspiracy to kill Mr. Walker. Claims that he was not the trick man. He says he absolutely was not the trick man. The big bombshell question is, Chad, who killed Lieutenant Walker? And the answer that Chad gives us is Uloma. She arranged it. Our jaws kind of hit the floor. We're treating her as a victim, you know, the poor wife. And now uh, Chad's telling us that she was the one who arranged this all. Chad claims that Uloma approached him a few weeks before the shooting with a sob story, pleading for help. Uloma claims that she was abused and she couldn't take it anymore and everybody loved William and would never believe her and she needed to get out of the situation. She asked me, do I want to make like $10,000? She said, oh. Man, I mean, not thinking right and being dumb. She asked me to, I don't know how to put it. How'd she ask me? She asked me to kill Bill. Coming up, the alleged mastermind stonewalls the investigation. At this time, do you care to make any statements about our investigation? Dad, what's that an attorney press? And authorities discover a cruel deception. She had never been through chemo. It was a lie. Cleveland detectives investigating the murder of Lieutenant William Walker are interrogating Chad Paget who makes the surprising claim that William's wife, Uloma, placed a hit on her husband. How she asked me? She asked me to kill Will. I said, I can't do it without money from somebody. She said, okay, that's cool. Chad claims Uloma gave him a few hundred dollars to buy a gun and as a down payment on the murder. He says he sought help from his cousin, Christopher Hine. He's the gun guy in the neighborhood. If you need to get a gun, Chris Hine is your guy. According to Chad, Chris connected him with a shooter, a friend named Ryan Doherty. Chad presents Ryan with the same proposition. 
and he decides uh, right then and there he's going to do it. Ryan agrees that he would shoot Mr. Walker for a couple hundred dollars and some weed. After his admission, detectives arrest Chad Paget. They go through a booking process where Chad would give up his fingerprints and his DNA, and that's when they matched Chad to the bullets. Word now gets out to Ryan, Chris, and Jackie that Chad has sat down with the police and told them everything. Ryan Doherty, Christopher Hine, and Uloma's daughter, Jackie, all turned themselves in. The dominoes were falling, and everybody just kind of came forward and filled in any gaps from their perspectives. Ryan fully and freely admits that uh, he's the shooter. Christopher admits to providing the gun, and Jackie admits to knowing about the murder in advance. They all say Uloma claimed Will abused her, but investigators follow the money trail to uncover the real motive. Will had a couple heated arguments over the phone. Maybe they were bill collectors. Maybe there were other issues with money. We're starting to put the pieces of this puzzle together. It started to come out that there were credit cards opened in William Walker's name that he didn't know about. And the way that Chad had presented it was that Yoloma said that she would be receiving insurance money if Mr. Walker would die. Detectives bring Yoloma back in and confront her with the evidence and the confessions of the others. At this time, do you care to make any statements about our investigation into the murder of William Walker, who is your husband at this time? What's that an attorney? Okay. So based on our investigation, we have enough probable cause. We're going to place you under arrest for aggravated murder of the charge. Even before Uloma's trial, poetic justice is served. This big insurance payout that was there, it wasn't even in her name. So the $100,000 that was there wasn't coming to her. Will had listed his first wife, Rita, as the beneficiary to make sure his children were taken care of. So they wound up getting the money instead of her getting the money. That's some justice. She can get a freaking dime. In the lead up to trial, investigators are stunned to discover Uloma's very reasons for marrying Will were all a disturbing lie. She had never been through chemo, was not taking anything that showed that she had cancer. It was a lie and under a complete false pretense for her reasoning to even marry William Walker. They got married quickly in order for her to have insurance, but police are believing more and more now that it was also so she could align herself for that life insurance policy. On June 21st, 2017, Uloma Curry Walker's trial begins. Prosecutors describe to the jury how she lied to her daughter and her daughter's boyfriend to convince them to kill. She was the linchpin here, the brains. Uh, she convinced these kids to, to do this for her, to get involved. She made up stories of abuse to get them to sign on to the plan. Will thought too much of anybody to do that to a person let alone, you know, his wife. I couldn't imagine Will doing anything like that. It offends me. That's not something he would do. She states that Will was abusive to her, but there was no evidence, no domestic calls out to the house, no friends saying she appeared to be 
bruised and beaten or that she was timid around Will or anything like that. Prosecutors argue that Uloma prepared everyone to be ready to act on November 3rd, 2013. That evening, she sent Will out to get food, setting the plan in motion. Iloma wants this to look like a robbery. She wants it to go down a certain way. Phone records and text messages. We see that a few minutes before Lieutenant Walker was actually killed, Iloma sends a text message to Jackie, and the message is, you can come home now. That's kind of like code for, OK, you know, he's gone. It's going to happen. Jackie then got word to Chad that it was a go. He and Ryan were already near the Walker's house at Uloma's command. Ryan sneaks around to the backyard of uh, Lieutenant Walker's house. Chad's standing across the street. Once the lieutenant parks his car, he gets out. He's got his food and bags in his hand. He's got his keys out. And just as he's about to unlock the door and walk in, Ryan comes out of the backyard and starts shooting. Lieutenant goes down, and all hell breaks loose. Ryan and Chad took off. We picked up these guys' cell phones, tracked them to the scene of the crime at the exact time the shooting took place, and then we tracked them leaving the crime and heading right back to their houses. According to prosecutors, Uloma then pretended to help, calling 911. 911, you need police Based on detectives' thorough investigation, prosecutors are convinced Macklin and his girlfriend Ashley had no idea of the conspiracy and are completely innocent. On July 7th, the jury deliberates less than two hours before finding Uloma guilty of aggravated murder and conspiracy. She got life. I think that's what she had coming. Uloma Curry Walker has no possibility of parole. She just showed absolutely no remorse. Our society asks for not only the justice piece, but the redemptive piece when people come back into society. Well, she won't make it back. They shouldn't have done this. This man should have died a happy death or knowing what he loved doing, not being shot in his own driveway. Will wanted to be a worldly person. He wanted his kids to be worldly. And he wanted to take care of people and help people do exactly that. Will was a, a great man. Will Walker, he was a proud man, kind guy cared about people, loved his kids, he made you feel good about yourself. I miss him. I really do. Ryan Doherty, the shooter, pleads guilty to aggravated murder and gets 23 years to life. Chris Paget pleads guilty to involuntary manslaughter with conspiracy and gets 28 years to life. Chris Hine pleads guilty to aggravated murder and conspiracy and is sentenced to 18 years to life. Uloma's daughter, Jackie, pleads guilty to conspiracy with a firearm and served one month in juvenile detention. For more information on Snapped, go to Oxygen.com.
Hey, grown-ups! The Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery, perfect for the whole family. Join the Cat in the Hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his fishbowl podcast studio from the Cat in the Hat himself. And it becomes very clear that the cat has other plans for the podcast. And those plans are the opposite of quiet. Sing along to new favorite songs, try your luck at Titanic tongue twisters, have some fun with wondrous wordplay, and most importantly, bring your family along for all of the adventures in the Cat in the Hat cast. Follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast early and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Wondery Kids Plus on Apple Podcasts today.